0: Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show, and let's see, I gotta do this real quick. One sec, and there we go. All right, hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show, and with me, I have Nick with me once again, and I also have Ashley and Mason with me. We are discussing the pilot episode for an indie project that they actually worked on. It's called Sparky. This actually follows a guy named Marshall who actually started his first day on the job being harassed by other workers. And, of course, they're also dealing with construction and things like that. So my question is this. when, How did you guys come up with the idea and the concept for Sparky? Where did that come through? That's something that I was just curious about.
1: Um, yeah. So, um, again, John, thanks so much for You're having welcome. us on. Uh, we really You're appreciate welcome. it. And uh, we appreciate the review from last week. That was great. Um, and yeah, so the idea, you know, and I know that we're we're still waiting on on Dallas Madrid, but Dallas is really kind of the the brainchild behind this whole thing, um, where he actually had written an initial fourteen page script um, that he wrote as kind of a spec piece and um, reached out to me um, at the end of 2019 and reached out, wanted my thoughts on it. Um, and I have a very, very small background in like reality TV. And so, um, he was able to just kind of bounce ideas off of me. I said, I think you have something here. And then we just sat down and developed a script. Um, And, but that was like the original process of, of thinking and everything like that. That was, that was all Dallas. And I'm sure that he can go more in depth into what his uh, process was in that. Um, But as far as like how we came about actually developing it, uh, it was from that, that seed of an idea that he had in his head. So very fortunate to, to have, you know, uh, kind of touch base again with Dallas, uh, in that way. So.
0: Okay. So you guys actually worked with each other before and everything and stuff like that, working with Dallas and things like that. And I can definitely tell with the chemistry with everybody that had on the set, it wasn't really seemed like a real stressful type of environment that you guys were actually in either. It seemed like you were able to actually do your own uh, stuff and things like that.
1: And yeah, well, what's, what's interesting too is, um, Dallas and I we've known each other since he was like I was 19 he was 15 so we've known each other for a long time but we actually hadn't talked for for quite a few years actually we hadn't like had a phone conversation so this was something that was out of the blue um and like from the casting to the people we brought on board all that chemistry just kind of happened like am I right guys let Mason Nick, yeah. what do you guys anyway, think? I
2: mean, it, yeah, it did happen. We, uh, we did spend a lot of time because as we casted it, like right after we got the cast set up, we went right into the pandemic. And we got into the shutdown mode. And it was like, oh, God, what are we going to do? Like, we just got all these people. And so then we just took the step of, well, let's do it virtually. And so we just started meeting as a cast and crew virtually. We started doing improv games over, you know, over Zoom and stuff like that. And we just kind of built that rapport amongst Mm. the cast and amongst the crew. And we just, we, we came into it when we came into person, like it felt like we all knew each other so well. Mm. It was really cool. That's great. That was awesome.
3: Yeah. That was exactly how I felt too. I mean, the more that we ran those, you guys really let us like run with the characters and actually try new things where, you know, so many other times you're at a table read with everybody around you. You got to do it right that first time. But since we broke it up into like individual seasonal bite sized bits, it just, I feel like we were more prepared than anything else we've ever done in this industry, at least.
0: That's pretty cool though, that you guys are able to actually break it down into certain sets and be like, okay, well we're gonna cover this area right here and then go on ahead and break it into another area, which I find very interesting rather than just do it all together because everybody has their own experience on the show itself with Marshall anyway. So it actually makes more sense to actually do it individually like that
1: and everything. Mm -hmm. It's only
0: maybe one or two scenes where you actually see Marshall with with the other group of people harassing him and stuff like that but each person has their own little target at marshall anyways which i find really hilarious to be honest with you but i like the whole entire concept i
3: think dallas is
0: on um he's not in the green room or anything i don't see him Hmm. in here i know that he's inside the live chat so maybe he thought that the youtube link was actually for the invite that's what i'm I'm just speculating
2: Okay.
1: No, this he's just going into character right now. This is actually Marshall. <laughs> this is in Dallas.
2: He can get lost in, a, in in his own house. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's
0: perfect improv. Just a just time for his character. But I don't have any cheese to slap him upside the face with, so <laughs> <laughs> I ran out. Unfortunately, that's awesome. But dude, uh, but guys, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I was a, I was laughing my ass off though though throughout awesome. this whole entire episode. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you,
1: that's great. All right,
2: there hey. he is. Hey,
4: hey,
0: How's it going, Marshall?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dallas.
0: Yeah, I know it's, <laughs> it's not. I saw
4: having technical it's difficulties okay. already.
0: It's okay. <laughs> It's all good, man. It's fine.
2: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And he's gone. (laughs) He's got to go get his wife. She'll help him. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He's back.
0: Hold on. Marshall's. uh, Well, I don't know why I keep those with that. There we go. (laughs) Hey, Dallas.
4: (laughs) Hey. Sorry about that. I'm actually working second shift today, so. That's okay. uh, Being an electrician never. It's Okay
0: um if you want to go on ahead and unmute your mic and everything there you go but uh like i was saying and everything i really enjoyed your performance in this show and everything to playing marshall getting harassed by everybody and things like that too but also too with the concept of it it's very simplistic if you actually think about it though guys i mean it's in a one area kind of room you're not really traveling anywhere or anything like that it's able to save a budget and everything else too for an indie project which is actually a positive because you don't want to spend X amount of dollars on other locations when you can just spend a few, a few dollars with what you have. And I know that you were actually, uh, the scout for this one, Nick, right?
3: Uh, I did some of that. Yeah.
0: That's what I thought. And, uh, I just want to say, I thought that just having that one room scenario just adds a lot to this. To mm-hmm. be honest with you, it describes that each character's, it describes what you're going for. It has that, uh, like I said before, uh, that Philadelphia kind of look that we, that I mentioned off that uh, show that's on TV and everything. I forgot the name of it, but Always still, sunny. No. yeah, yeah, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and it has that kind of look look to it. But you know. But here's the thing. You guys are able to do something that's totally different and have it in a workspace, which is something I really do appreciate.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, John. And actually, you know, what's interesting is we we did um, actually get a few locations for that. Um, The initial location where we were at uh, is actually this warehouse in Chicago uh, called Silent Funny. Um, and that's, uh, that's a facility that is actually open to indie artists. So I want to give them a shout out because they helped us a ton, uh, as far as being able to film the majority of the, the warehouse scenes and things like that inside of silent funny. And, um, but we actually also used some other locations for like the outdoor scenes mm-hmm. that was shot at a different location. And, um, we did have, we initially did have a extended cut Uh, that we whittled down to 30 minutes and in that extended cut there's actually a couple of additional scenes on there so um the, the but you're absolutely right when it comes down to like as an indie group of filmmakers and crew it was super important for us to find locations and places where we didn't have to break budget you know, and that was important for us. So we did a really good job at that. Nick did an excellent job just coming on board and jumping right in uh, and helping us out with it. So very fortunate.
0: That's awesome. And Dallas, I have a quick question for you. Whenever you came up with this idea, was it always about construction workers or was it something different that you wanted to do before this and everything? Because I know that working on something like this, I know you have probably a bunch of drafts in your head on what you want to do. At the same time, it's like, do I really want to go with this this kind of field or do I want to go with a different type of work setting to where it might be a little bit more relatable and everything? But here's the thing. I also want to say this. To actually have a show that takes place in Chicago that's actually a sitcom, it's refreshing because we get – here's the thing. I feel like we have enough NCIS, CSI, and stuff like that that takes place in crime scenes. We don't have enough comedies that take place in Chicago. So I think I, I give you guys props for that too.
4: Yeah, actually, all the scenes that we edited out were all the mob-related scenes.
1: Um, <laughs> all so. of the murder <laughs> and <we have> guys. <laughs> all the murders.
4: So you know, when you're illegally dumping on a job site, does and all that stuff. Yeah, I got you.
2: Waste management. <laughs> <laughs> um.
4: No, actually, it was kind of weird. You know, I I hadn't written uh, for probably like, man, almost 15 years uh, since college. Uh, My wife had gotten real sick um, and lost her voice for close to a year. Um, We found out like Ehlers-Daniels disease, which is like the misfiring of your muscles and her spine had twisted. Um, So at one point, she, she was pretty much sleeping almost like 15 hours a day. She was just loaded on painkillers and just in all, you know, in a bad position. I was running work at the time and, uh, I just, I didn't have an outlet to relieve my stress other than drinking and, you know, partying and all that other stuff, which isn't too good when your wife is all messed up. So I just kinda had, uh, try to get back into like the arts and I was drawing and that was cool for a little bit. And then I started writing, um, just my thoughts, uh, Cause I was bringing work home with me uh, and little did I know um, that uh, I was writing about work and I was writing about some of the characters that I knew um, that I met along the way. And before I knew it, I had like 10, maybe 12 pages. Uh, and I'm like, shit, I think this is a story um, that could be a screenplay, uh, you know, a comedy. So, Uh, I'm sure I actually told you, I, I kind of reached out to him and I talked to him in close to, I think I actually, the last time I saw you, I talked to you was, uh, when we saw the dark Knight together.
1: Yeah, Uh, man, that was, uh, yeah, that's right. So we, we always kept in touch uh, via social media and stuff, but never, you know, phone conversations or anything like that.
4: Yeah. Whenever I had like a jiu-jitsu tournament or a boxing match, Ashley would always comment. Um, but, uh, (laughs)
3: <laughs> only when you had your shirt off
4: exactly exactly <laughs> uh in an a club on i don't want to forget that part uh,
3: <laughs> inflated
4: inflated yeah <laughs> like uh oh yes uh, uh <laughs> yeah so i i reached out to him i said hey would you be interested in reading this i'm not sure if it's anything worth you know pursuing or not um I had just had known that he had a passion for film like I did and uh, he had done the reality show and, you know, just something that, you know, might be up his, uh, you know, in his interests. So he said, sure, I'll take a look at it. And then probably within a day or two, uh, he'd read it and messaged me and thought there was something there, you know,
0: That's great though, man. Uh, Seriously. And, I was just wondering like what when you do the reality shows and everything Ashley, what, what ones were you actually involved in? I'm just kind of interested in that too.
1: man it was it was literally one reality show. It was one reality show I did one season of it. Um, I've always been passionate about like just film in general. Um, I was that little kid at 12 years old running around in the mall with like you know one of those film Sony camcorders not the yeah. digital stuff they have now. I'm going right. to date myself, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man. I, and I would be that obnoxious kid just running around trying to take, take film of everything. I would set up my camera and do the Mike Myers play different characters. Uh, you know, uh, before like even, uh, Austin Powers came out and, uh, I would do kind of those things. And, and, um, then I got an opportunity right. back yeah. in like 20, 2014, uh, what was that, Nick?
3: Where are those tapes?
1: Oh, I, I my mom has <laughs> them. I haven't even developed them yet for good reason. Uh, but um, 2014, I got an opportunity to, I actually quit my job. I was a banker and uh, I actually helped operate a bridal salon. So, and the bridal salon actually owned, uh, was owned by one of my, uh, clients. And so I actually left my banking job to operate a bridal salon. And in that process, that bridal salon was part of a reality show uh, out here in Illinois called Best in Bridal. And the concept was basically that bridal salon was operated by all guys. And there was a a competitive store, like a a competitor right across the river uh, that was all girl staff. So it was like the guys versus girls concept. So I did a season of that. And I just, I, I wasn't like uh, a lead person in the show or anything like that. Um, but I took the opportunity to ask a bunch of questions. So, um, you know, I became good friends with with this guy, Andy Newport, who was like the lead cameraman. And uh, just ask questions every single day. Sound guy. Um, not knowing what the future could bring, because I actually did a lot of weird life things, life changes and and uh, was a biomedical technician for a while, things like that. But then this opportunity presented itself and you just never know, you know, uh, what opportunities life is going to bring. So my experience wasn't for a long period of time, but for the time that I had it, I took advantage to ask as many questions as I could so I could learn from it.
0: Right. And that's actually how you learn. You and basically in everything that you're passionate about or whatever you want to do, you always have to ask questions. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to wind up knowing what to do from the next point to the next. And, yep. you know, I commend you for that, for wanting to learn and have that, you know, pizzazz of actually wanting to get into this industry and things like that, too, because it's actually hard to get in there. And everything, But knowing the fact that you have a little bit of a lead weight with this small reality show, it's like, okay, I ha- I can get my foot in the door this way doing this smaller project. And if it leads to something great, if it doesn't, at least I can learn a few st- right. things from, from this. So that's great, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And, you know, cool. along the way, you just, you end up meeting people uh, with similar passions and um, dreams and so, uh, when we had this opportunity, um, we actually met Nick through auditions. And Mason, oh. Mason's been a friend of mine for the last uh, three, four years. And um, and I know that Mason's background uh, has been in like improv and in acting and things like that. Oh. So I was like, he could be a huge resource for us from right. just a, a talent standpoint of understanding like what to look for and things like that so i think one of the biggest things is always surrounding yourself with people that are like smarter than you (laughs) in a lot of different areas um so that that way you have a a solid foundation uh for for a team standpoint on who you want uh, as part of your crew plus you can make sure that you get along with them and have fun with them and that that you know that all like permeates to everybody else right if the crew and um if the crew and and the people that are running things are having fun that's going to trickle down to the actors and and to everybody else involved so we really tried to purposefully set that type of environment
0: right i can definitely see that though and mason and i have a, i have a question for you though when it comes down to improv and everything else how much of this was actually improv because i just have to say the stuff that was going on on that set was just hilarious.:
2: Yeah, so most of the stuff <clears throat> that we actually shot was pretty much straight out of the script, but where we really tried to infuse improv into it was with their character development. Like uh, Dallas wrote some very cool characters, but uh, we, when we cast everybody in these different uh, character slots, we would specifically ask them be like, "How do you see this character future going?" where do you see this character's background? And we let the the actors actually kind of build on that so that when we came to set, they weren't just this like, you know, 2D uh, surface kind of character. They had this like deep, rich history that they knew that they could pull from. And um, <clears throat> I think that really helps on the set uh, to make it like a very successful show.
0: I-, I could definitely see that to be honest with you. And also too, uh, Dallas, with th- with the casting and crew and everything and stuff like that, with these characters, were you ever picked on or anything like that? When it comes down to, uh, you know, when how Marshall was and stuff like that, inside Votek School or anything like that. Have you done any type of construction or anything like that to where it was actually relatable oh. for you?
4: Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of those stories uh, happened to me and happened to my friends um, in the field and apprenticeship school. Uh, the tape measure trick happened to me, um, my nailed down. Um, I've had them put, you know, rocks or couplings into my pouch before I realized that, you know, I was 50 pounds and my like apron would snap off my, my waist. Um, all, all those things happen. And then just, uh, you know, you always have that old timer who just doesn't have time for you. Um. And I I think that everybody, I thought what was relatable to the story was that everybody can imagine um, their first day somewhere where they kind of just don't know what's going on um, and the anxiety that's built up. So I think that was kind of uh, what I was going for. And I think we kind of nailed it with that.
0: I could see that because here's the thing. I, I did electricity. I went to two years for electricity and HVAC. So that kind of stuff that, that you went through, I went through the same exact thing inside that thing too. Like for instance, the people would take the tape measure and everything, but instead of them just uh, slamming it into your nuts, they're like, okay, (laughs) you're about this close to becoming a dick sucker. is what they would say. And then, (laughs) yeah. And then by the time we were done with uh, our two years of HVAC school, it got to the point where like, you know what, by the time we're out of this thing, we're going to need anger management because we just can't put up with each other and stuff like that. Because we're a bunch of guys who, who are trying to get along, but we can't get along because of how long we've been put in this environment and stuff like that. And that's how I actually feel with these characters in a sense. It's like, you know, they're all going to bust each other's balls and stuff like that, too. But at the same time, they all getting on each other's nerves at the same time. So that's something that I really thought that was really interesting.
4: And the crazy thing about the industry is, is that, you know, they're, they're really trying out an apprentice to see if that person really can hang with the group, you know? Um, If not, they're going to, they're going to spin you uh, and get someone new because, you know, you rather work with people you like that are moldable. Um, And that's kind of really uh, the essence of it, you know? they, really they really, you know they down to build you back up how they want you um, from my experience you know
0: <laughs> let's see uh, Randy said that's the way they use your head <laughs> then uh, that's everything but still I have to say another thing too that I feel like that was relatable for me was the pipe bending part. And everything, and when Marshall goes, yeah, I got an AM pipe bending, and then all of a sudden he goes, hey, you got an AM pipe bending. I just started laughing out loud because I remember an uh, electricity class of how hard it actually was to do the bending of the pipe and everything stuff like that, because you have to make sure you have that conduit in the right kind of way. Otherwise, it's gonna be really shabby and everything. You don't want it to happen in that kind of way. But it takes me back into those days and everything too. But, you know, I also have to say the HR thing actually makes me laugh. The part with the, uh, whenever you find out, finding out that the woman is actually uh, not a man, but it turns out to be a woman for HR. And she's actually the main person that's in charge of everything. And you're wondering, why is this guy getting away with everything? And why hasn't she let this other guy go? And then you find out the plot twist at the very end of it. I thought that was hysterical as well.
4: Yeah. No, we, uh, that's something I think I've heard from a lot of people that they couldn't believe that was uh, Rick's daughter.
0: Right. I couldn't not I couldn't believe that either because they're totally opposite of end of the spectrum if you think about it. Rick is pretty much the person that just wants to pick, pick on people and stuff like that, slap people with cheese, give people a hard time, and, throw, and bitch about his uh, syrup not being inside the bag. So I <laughs> thought that was actually pretty funny. But – you know, the thing that I have to say the most about this, though, is I could see this going, uh, to be honest with you, even further to the point where Marshall is no longer going to be the the freshman inside the group. I could see him later on. There's always going to be a new guy that comes in. I can see Marshall doing the same stuff that he went through to somebody else
4: mm-hmm.
0: to be because of the transformation of his character. I could just see that because that's normal. That's everyday life, pretty much. If you think about it. It's, perfect scenarios Laver 49 with walking phoenix they did the same thing with walking phoenix's character when and stuff like that so but another thing though too is like what other kind of projects are you guys actually going to be working on in the future because i'd like to actually see more from you guys
1: Hmm. um yeah i mean we are we're working on a few things right now um And actually, Nick, you can even talk a little bit about uh, Glass, uh, since it's something super fresh.
3: Very fresh, like today fresh.
1: Like today fresh.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, back in June, we shot a scene from a feature that I'm writing and turned it into a short called uh, Glass about a star baseball player who suddenly just has like the worst outcome in an outing. He's falling off the mound. He hits a few batters. And it turns out like these symptoms that are happening to him, like numbness in his hand and fatigue have been happening for a little while. And essentially it's kind of that reckoning moment where this coach and the trainer all have to clash together and figure out, you know, how are we going to move forward with this kid and do what's best, you know, for him in this moment. Cause they do think that he has an illness that, that could stop him from playing and, you know, it was shot. Very, very cinematically. Um, I loved some of the movement too. Ash, we haven't had a chance to actually break this down, but you know, <laughs> this a lot of It really makes you feel like you're in the locker room of a game in the moment. And at the same time, there's that arm over your shoulder. I'm here for you, like father son, coach to player connection.
0: I like that, to be honest with you, because I love sports movies and things like that, especially any given Sunday. Then you also have a league of their own and other kind of baseball scenarios and stuff like that. I love lo- rock and room talk and stuff like that, too. So that's like right up my alley. I'm I'm a huge Red Sox fan anyways, but still. <laughs> but, um, Sox. We
1: we won't but, hold that against you. Okay,
0: I do appreciate that. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a yeah,
3: Boston guy. You, um, that's <laughs> so good. That's awesome. awesome. As well, um, <laughs> the foreman, Dan and Graham actually plays the coach in glass.
0: Oh, nice. So,
3: yeah. You know, we like to keep it in the family or so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but not in that way. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's one of the projects. And then uh, we're, we're really, you know, because we're a baby company, uh bright cap entertainment, and it was really something that uh, Dallas and I came out of this. Um, with, with this company, uh, because really we want to be able to share stories that, that help influence people, you know, stories are, are such a important conduit to, uh, culture, you know? And so we want to be able to, we were all influenced by some movie or some TV show in some sort of way. And so if we can take stories that we hear and develop them and turning them into entertaining pieces of influence, um, that's that's kind of the heart behind what we're doing. Um, so everybody, we're, we're trying to find our groove and our flow and everybody kind of has a role in it. Uh, Mason's just really good at kind of breaking down scripts and being able to give us feedback on like, hey, uh, this is where we can build, this is where we can take back, you know, things like that. Um, Nick has been awesome. It's just like producing and finding people and just connecting us. And he just has a way of doing that much, much like he did here, you know, with us. Um, and, and Dallas just has these chops that I've seen over the last year and a half just continue to grow when it comes to uh, writing and developing uh, and growing characters and writing great characters. And so, um, we're excited for the future of it. You know, we've had a few people that have, um, that have approached us already to develop some things. We're working with Class Productions right now, which is another newer startup, um, with their, their, uh, you know, sci-fi thriller called Refresh. Uh, that's something that we just finished production on and we're going into post-production. And, um, And then I'm also working uh, with uh, Holland Druder, who's who's a teenager that wrote a young adult uh, dystopian type of show uh, that we filmed. And so we're working on that as well. It's called Hughes. Um, And then among that, we continue to get scripts and different things that we can look at. And Dallas continues to write amazing things that I'm just like, we must do this. And so um, we just we're staying busy, you know, we're staying busy, but in a way that we we want to take the best, you know, we want to take the best stories and the best things that that will capture audiences and, and people um, and then produce them and and see what comes from it. But, yeah, we're very blessed. Honestly, we really are.
0: That's always a good thing to be busy and stuff like that, especially in today's time with the coronavirus going around and everything else that's happening. You know, it's good to just keep focused and have that positive energy, that positive vibe, especially on the set, because I know it can still be hostile even on the set and stuff like that too. But you guys are getting along great. And also, too, Mason, how much stuff have you done with breaking down scripts and also, too, doing improv? Like, how long have you been doing in the acting world and the acting world and stuff?
2: So <laughs> I've been doing improv for about 12 plus years now. Um, and then so I started in college. Then I did it professionally in Kansas City. And then I moved to Chicago and started taking classes. Okay. Um, and throughout that, you know, I learned how to write scripts. I learned how, what to look for, what kind of people were liking. Um, we, I've written a couple, I've written a short film that I filmed, um, fan film uh, for the Marvel superhero Moon Knight. Unfortunately, oh. they didn't call me uh, to, to direct the TV show, but I'm okay. I'm not bitter. Um, but, you know, uh, when they pulled me in on this, um, you know, it was it was kind of cool because Ashley had actually sent it to me before they, I think they'd actually started developing it because I got to see like one of the very first raw scripts. And I was like, yeah, this looks pretty good. And then like, I didn't really hear much about it. And then one day I get a phone call and Ashley's like, Hey, I'm meeting with my friend Dallas. Do you remember? He wrote a script and we're going to, we, w- we want to pull you in on this, man. We want to, you know, you can be a director. We want a uh, producer and all this other great stuff. And so, so my experience has been with that. And then I've written a couple stuff that uh, we've sent. And I, I like to write short stories more than scripts. Um, and then hopefully Dallas will like the short story and then write the script for it uh so we've got some stuff in the pipe that's coming down but uh overall it's been it's been a really great experience so that's great and i have
0: a question though when it comes down to short stories and things like that dallas and stuff like when you're doing uh, scripts and everything, how many pages would a short story actually be? Because I'm actually curious about on that kind of level, because I'm actually reviewing short films right now for Holly Holly shorts right now. That's taking place out in Hollywood. So I was just kind of interested in the process of that.
4: Yeah, I mean, actually, I think Ashley would probably have more to say on that because he's been submitting all of our stuff to these festivals. But I, I would honestly think that a short is... Relatively, I mean anything under sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think sixty minutes is your feature. Yeah, that's um,
1: accurate. A TV yeah.
4: show being, you know, a long show is forty-five minutes to to an hour, depending on whose uh, whose um, network it is. You know, mm-hmm. right? Or streamer. But yeah, I was just but, kind
0: of right. I was just interested I'll, in like another thing art, too heard is of
4: a, the art of a of a short is kind of like really up into the air because i mean i I don't know they don't really have to follow the three act structure i mean they they can pretty much open without closing you know the real short is pretty much more character driven than plot
0: okay yeah that's just something that i've always been interested in like the difference between a short film script and also to the difference between a script that's actually has three acts in it because yeah you can open up you know you can open up at any given moment whenever it comes down to a short film and you can actually end it any given moment though too to make the uh people just the people that's watching the film and viewing the film just speculate on what's going to happen to the character or let's say for instance that another studio wants to buy it so therefore you can continue on that that ending if you want to go in and continue on that ending so, it was just something that I was really interested in because I do like short films as well. So,
3: I've always viewed them kind of like a proof of concept for whatever your greater idea is, right? So, really trying to pack as much as you can and still make it an attainable idea to like really show what your feature or what your TV show is going to be about ultimately. So, you have something to show because in the submission process now, it's not just send a script anymore they sometimes want to see stuff like that and stills and concept art and things of that nature that show that you've really thought out this show
0: right i can definitely see that and another thing though too i i've actually noticed a little bit of a reality kind of vibe to this though too especially when the characters are actually in their own little box and doing video logs and stuff like that it just makes me laugh too (laughs) at all the stuff that they're actually they're actually going in their heads and they're actually verbalizing it. I thought it was great, to be honest with you. to have awesome. a little bit of the reality stuff on it, yeah. too. But uh, that was your idea, though, actually, to put a little bit of the spin on for the reality stuff? Or how would yeah,
1: that work? I, I, I just I thought that it would fit. You know, I just had this this feeling based on everything. You know, it really came down from the construct of how Dallas set the story up. You know, it's a story. It, it's a journey. So you're, you're going through the first day uh, where this like electrician apprentice is, you, you're on the journey with him. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of like the mockumentary genre, uh, yeah. which includes the original classic Spinal Tap, which is a great film. Right. Um, and then that gets carried on into uh, things like The Office and Parks and Rec and the, the more modern mockumentary style um comedies. And so I thought, you know, this is this this can be within that realm, you know, It can be within that world of like, let's just see if a camera crew went with a construction worker, an electrician um, to work, what would that look like? And so uh, that's where we were able to kind of take that style. And the talking heads, which is that box that you're talking about, right. talking heads is just one of those things that I think um, it almost in a way teeter totters between the fourth wall uh, and the audience. So, like, it's almost like you're getting an inside scoop into who the character is and you see more honesty from the character. And so uh, we had a lot of fun with those. I remember and, and a lot of those scenes were actually shot in Dallas's garage. Uh, <laughs> Which it it was so much fun just sitting there and throwing out, you know, questions and suggestions that we made that more of an interview style type of thing where we let the actors just kind of feel their characters out and uh, just share whatever popped in their heads. So, you know, um, we we were very fortunate to have a lot of talented improv actors that were a part of this that were able to at times. Like just pull certain things out of there when we felt like maybe the script doesn't have exactly what we want. We were able to lean on them. So, um, yeah. It, mockumentary style, just it just came to me and made sense to me. And it felt like it would be a good fit. So I'm glad that that worked out.
0: It definitely and does. It,
4: but, it yeah. had to do with casting because Mason, with the improv background, asked a lot of questions that we got to see where some of these actors' strengths were with, with improv, they, Thanks, mm-hmm. to made Yes, yeah, that was hands down yeah. one of the most fun auditions I've ever been a part of. The,
2: the best part about the whole audition process was at the end there when we would ask them, we'd be like, hey, we're gonna do a little improv. And so they had been reading for all these different characters. And so we would say, what is your name? Meaning like, what's your character name? and i would say 90 percent of them were just like um david like they would just say what their real name was and it was just like really funny (laughs) but they they eventually got into it and they started giving us those really funny like quips and it was a really cool time
1: i'll never forget the the guy that played the foreman dannon dannon just had me rolling at his audition so you know once we (laughs) once we saw that like, we're like, okay, this idea could work for sure. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Let's see. We also have an audience question, though, too. Has any of your scripts come from personal experience?
4: Yes. I, I think <laughs> that all scripts come from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't have to be something that lived. live, a story that you were told by a friend or something that you read. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody pulls from their experiences because otherwise you have to create a whole world and that, that'd be more like sci-fi and that's why sci-fi is tough mm-hmm.
0: right i can I definitely see that
3: on now that that is not based in some of my own reality but other than that pretty much everything that we've done is
2: kind of centered on core experiences that we've all gone through in life yeah One of one of the things we actually have um, right now—it's just in script form—but I had done a while back. We never got to finish it. Was a uh, web series about dating, and it was all uh, firsthand account of really terrible dates. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we wrote me and a friend wrote them all down (laughs) as scripts, and uh, some of them are pretty pretty outrageous. But it's just like this is true. This really happened. So. Pulling from personal experience is probably the best way to kind of get your idea out there and just uh, create a script. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I can definitely relate to that, though, too, because I actually wrote a script one time. It was like 62 pages long, handwritten, and it was about three teenagers that want to become rock stars, and basically what they wind up doing is they wind up getting kicked out of school. Uh, One of their parents is actually a drunkard, which is one of my friends that I knew. His dad was a drunkard, would beat him and stuff like that, So he would take, so he took his dad's RV and they went on a road trip to become rock stars. So that's pretty much the story that I had in mind. And then I started going, then all of a sudden I started doing some type of psychological thriller, horror type of thing that I've been trying to do and everything. So it went from comedy to doing this. So it's just amazing at the aspects of writing that you can actually go through and everything. I can imagine you guys do go through the same type of stuff. That,
3: too. It's extremely therapeutic when you get, you know, those thoughts that have been mustering in your head and you finally get it down on paper. Like, especially, I, It comes to me in waves, too. Like, I just have to get it
0: down. Right. And I definitely do agree with you. It does come in waves and also, too, especially whenever you might get writer's block and something like that, too. So, you know, it could actually... Your flow could actually stop at any given moment, but once you get that flow going, it just is a continual writing. Um, yeah. Let's see, Brandy says have something to do with LARPing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but still, I mean, I just have to commend you guys for doing something and putting getting yourselves out there. You know what I mean? Just being able to do this small studio and then having to do like a thirty-minute long episode is just perfect to me. I think the 30 minute run for this type of thing, what you guys want to do and everything is perfect. And everything, anything longer, I feel like for this kind of show would actually just be repetitive jokes back and forth to the point where people might actually say, yeah, I laughed at this, but you know, they could have actually structured a little bit better than what that, when they could have done. So I feel like it's structured in the way that it needs to be structured.
1: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, man, we, uh, Put a lot of time and thought into into it and got, um, you know, the best thing you can do in those types of situations is uh, lean on people that are gifted in storytelling. Right. You know, and so uh, we reached out to a good friend of, of ours that lives in California and he's he's been, you know, uh, had over the last 12 years just some su- success getting into rooms and uh, pitching stories and things like that. And so we had him take a look at it. And uh, he, he, that was one of the pieces that he said. He said, you know, you don't want things in the story that are going to keep it from maintaining the flow that it has. And so uh, we took down a 46-minute pilot concept and we chopped it down to 30 minutes with maintaining the flow. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important to, for audiences to stay engaged and to want to continue seeing what's going to happen next. You know, one of the things right. that I always tell, uh, I told Dallas the other day that I was watching a movie and a lot of people were raving about how great this movie was. Dallas actually was one of the first reviews that I saw that where he was like, yeah, I know people are going to, I'm against the the grain here, but uh, I didn't think that was structured great and I didn't think it was a great movie. And so um, and so Day I watched it. What was that?
4: Say the movie.
1: Uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta tell us. I don't I don't know. The haunt, the the past haunts people. So I'm not gonna drop the movie. <laughs> but
3: uh,
1: <laughs> Yes, yes, what he said. Um, but you know, uh, basically there was like three or four times throughout the movie that I just checked my watch to see what time it was. And that's like a huge indicator to me. Like if I'm not engaged enough to stay with the story, like, and I'm checking my watch or my phone, that's probably not a good thing. So I wanted to make sure that, and, and us, all of us collectively, we wanted to make sure that the story stayed with audiences and kept them engaged. So, I'm glad that you felt that. That that's Super important to us. So,
0: yeah, because if not, I turn into like Deadpool. Did I leave my stove on? <laughs> because seriously, if I feel like if it's anything longer than that to me, Soprano, stuff like that deserves to be in the 40 minute tier. Anything uh, for like a sitcom belongs in like a 30 minute tier and stuff like that. And it's just actually a perfect mm-hmm. runtime and stuff like that. Um, I know that. Charlie was wondering about some of the environments and stuff like that in the the future of what's going to happen. But I know that this is not this kind of story where they go into different environments and things like that right now, but is there anything in the future, maybe possibly another set piece to actually represent what Chicago is or something like that?
4: Yeah. I mean, for me personally, a lot of the times you get to know guys are, is at the bar. I mean, after a long shift, um, you will go out on a Friday night, um, after the bar and hit, I'm sorry, after work and hit the bar and, you know, kind of get to figure out who your coworkers are and know what makes them tick. Uh, I definitely had some ideas that and the shenanigans that go along the way. Um, and also that you get to see some of their home life. Um, as also second episode, I think there's a hospital visit, um, someone gets injured on the job. Uh. But you know, going building off what Ashley said about the thirty minute and cutting it down for fifteen minutes, we did have more backstory mm-hmm. um, that would have told you why Marshall changed careers and all the things that uh, your partner had questions about last week. Um, it just didn't fit the flow flow of the story that we were telling, and right. I thought it was because your your friend was be like, yeah, I don't know, there wasn't really anybody for, but then I felt for Marshall and I was excited that he got ripped back I'm like, well, so you did root for somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I, so I was like, well, then, you know, we did our part, you know, it, that was the goal right. was to feel for Marshall. And I mean, we got there, you know, right. So I that was kind of funny where I thought he was kind of contradicting himself. I'm like, all right. right.
0: And you know what, though? I do feel the same way, though, with Marshall, though, because he did wind up getting his own at the end and everything, and I thought it was a perfect way to actually end it. And I actually had to remind um, him, too, though. I was like, this is a TV show. They're not going to go ahead and give you all the meat right there. You have to tune in the next day to get that buffet-style ribs that you want. (laughs) You have to slowly digest yourself and eat. what what they want to feed you and then you come back and then you go on ahead after you're done digesting one week you go on ahead you get your fill and then you come back again and see what's going to happen next if you give it all at one time you're going to end up overstuffing us to the point where we vomit our food out so
4: yeah there's an art to writing a pilot i mean Mm -hmm. you give enough to kind of let their whistle to kind of leave questions open that they want answered if you go back and you watch like The Office, it's real slow, um, mm-hmm. and you just kind of have those introductory moments with uh, Michael Scott, and it's really really centered based on him as the A story, and your your B story is Pam and Jim. You know, at the very end, he he to get uh, Michael Scott back has stapler and Jello or something. It's very small, um, mm-hmm. and then like, for me, I always loved Cheers. I thought Cheers was almost a yeah. perfect show where you find out that uh, Diane is left uh, on her wedding day and she becomes a, a bartender, and you really don't know. You're like, well, what's what's going to happen is she's a literary um, person, you know, student in a bar, you know, and that's where it ends off at. So you're like, oh, where, where can this go? And I think that was kind of what we did where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, Marshall just got ripped back, and he has the hots for Ryan which is Rick's daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. right.
0: And you know Where what is- though? Oh, sorry. Go on ahead. Okay. Well, another thing though too, is I like cheers. I love cheers. Cheers is actually one of my brother's favorite shows. And I'm th- thinking to myself too, even before you mentioned it, I could see these guys interacting with each other at the bar and things like that and getting to know them. And then also finding out their weak points and use it against them and everything too. That's the purpose of ball breaking. That's the purpose of getting people in an environment that they're comfortable with and then use it against them later on and everything. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the bar scenario would actually be perfect because it gives you a chance to get to know them. And just like Norm and everything else, too, He people's was, was like, well, what does Norm do? Next thing you know, you see him painting at a house. And everything in a couple of seasons later, a couple of episodes later, uh, you see Cliff, he's a post office, but you never see him go to the post office. He's over, over always at the bar, but then in a couple of episodes, you see him looking at this woman with disgrace because she's disgracing the, uh, mail, uh, the mail carrier, uh, Pants suit and stuff like that, but you're also seeing him deliver mail, though. So you're seeing these characters on different levels, and this is actually what you're going to get later on. You just have to slowly get to that bill to where you can get get to that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think you know um, the the whole thing about this, and I think the the great thing about our team is that we really try to find creative ways of presenting these characters in a way that, um kind of, you know, takes you to a different direction than when you might've thought it was going, uh, because everybody has preconceived ideas of certain industries and certain things, you know, uh, whether it's athletes or teachers or whatever, everybody has preconceived ideas on that. And we know it's the same thing about construction workers and, and union electricians and, uh, union workers in general. And so, um, a lot of what we want to do too from a comedic standpoint is we want to try to break some of those stereotypes and some of those things that that people those preconceived ideas into uh, you know ways of storytelling where you really kind of fall in love with the characters you like you want to root for different people um, and maybe later on down the line you want to like not root for them you know uh, the heel hero type of mentality. And so um, that's what we hope to do in future episodes is, is keep people on their toes as far as like, how are these characters going to develop? Is Rick ever going to show empathy for anyone or is he just way past that? You know, is uh, Marshall going to, like you said, John, is he going to uh, end up becoming one of them or is he going to be the one guy that breaks the mold and is going to try something different? You know, so we're, we're always kind of bouncing those ideas around with one another. Uh, and as we continue to develop a writing team and, and a group of people, I think a lot of people are going to be very surprised and very pleased with the development of, of these characters going forward.
0: Okay. So um, I think that's everything that I pretty much wanted to cover for tonight and everything. But I just want to say thank you guys a bunch for coming on the show and everything. It means so much to me that you took a night out of your nights to just go on ahead, talk about what you guys love doing, just chit chat a little bit, get to know each other and stuff like that too. I just wanna say thanks for being on and thank you, Nick, for sending this over to me and things like that because I always love seeing stuff that you send over to me and it's always winds up being a great treat for me to watch. So just thank you and appreciate you guys one with everything you do. And if you guys keep doing what you're doing, your guys are gonna end up becoming very successful with your whole entire production and stuff. I have big faith in you and and things like that.
1: Thanks, John. That, that means a lot, you're man.
0: You're welcome. Very welcome. So, Thank where you. can everybody follow you guys? You're, yeah, you guys are more than welcome. And, and matter of fact, you guys are always welcome on the show as well. If you guys ever want to kick back and just review mm-hmm. some movies or just talk about movies in general, just send me. Uh, just go ahead and send over to Nick or whatever. Just send a matter of fact, just send me a friend request and just tell me, Hey, look, I have some time to spare. I want to be on the show. I'll, I'll glue you in for about 30 or whatever minutes you want.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yep.
0: Not a problem. So where can everybody follow you guys at and everything if they want to get in touch with you?
1: Um, yeah, so, uh, I'll let everybody kind of give their handles and all that stuff. But, um, As far as, like, the the production company, it's Bright Bright Cap Entertainment. So bright as on bright lights, cap as in a cap, entertainment. And so um, we're at brightcapent.com. That's our website, brightcapent.com. And uh, that's pretty much our tag on social media, at brightcapent. So follow us uh, there, and then you should be able – usually we tag each other in different things, but – uh my my uh, tag sign is I A M. So I am Ashley Ephraim. That's mine. And then I'll let the rest of these guys give theirs. You can go for
2: it. Okay. Uh really I'm on Twitter. That's pretty much the only place I'm at. Uh you can follow me at Mason G T the comic. Um and I'm always down to answer fans' questions.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, you can find me at uh, NC Kafka on Instagram or on Facebook. Just search Nick Kafkis That's where I am.
4: Uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook at uh, Dallas Madrid, Bolton um, City. And then it's uh, Real Madrid 86 on IG. Um, pretty much can find me there. Uh, most of the time these days, but um, again, John, thank you very much. You're very welcome, Mason. I did have an idea of making your chest hair a character on um,
2: do
1: it it.
4: or make I don't know
1: (laughs) what would his name be Harry by chance? Oh, there you
4: go, Robin Williams,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Bob
1: Bob Williamson,
4: Robin (laughs) Williamson.
1: Oh, no, (laughs) I thought
4: I was
2: Harry. So I met you. <laughs> you can't beat Arab hair. Sorry, Greek hair. <laughs> it's
1: there, genetic evidence.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, guys, um, I want to just point out this. I did have a little bit of a tech issue earlier whenever I had was going to have uh Armadeus. Uh, she was going to be on for independent film. And stuff like that, just talking about that She's part of the short film festival that I mentioned before From the Holly Shorts But guess what, she's going to be coming on in a few minutes And we're going to cover that interview Since I'm not able to do it on Friday And her movie's actually premiering on Friday So I want to be able to help her out Get her uh, voice being heard with that So go ahead, tune in in a couple of minutes And you get to see me on John- Get to see me again. Another thing, too, is if you guys want to, go on and follow me on Facebook at Movie Lovers, TV Lovers Unite over there underneath the same brand name on Instagram and, of course, on Pinterest as well. Also, too, go on ahead, rate us on Good Pods. That's an app for people that are lo- that loves podcasts or just someone that just uh, has a podcast of their own. You guys can go on ahead and rate me over there. All you guys have to do is just type in your email addresses and stuff like that, and bam, you're already inside the inside the app itself. And... Just rate me over there, tell me what you guys think about the show. But if you guys want to head on over to Apple and everything and rate us over there, then of course, for an audio-only podcast episode, you guys can go ahead and get that wherever you guys get your podcast from. Of course, you guys can donate to the page. How do you do that? You're just going ahead, go to gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast. And of course, I also teamed up with two blur girls podcasts. And we're donating all the money and proceeds over to the people, the victims over at Louisiana because of Hurricane Ida. So go ahead, get yourself a sensei. all the proceeds go over there. Then, of course, you guys can go on ahead and follow me underneath Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter because they won't let me have the E. So then, of course, you guys can go on ahead and if you are a sponsor and would like to get in touch with me, just head over to MovieLoversUnite at gmail.com. And that's where you guys can follow me at and email me if you're a sponsor. So always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. I can't wait to do this again. Thank you again, Nick. Thanks, Mason. Thank you, Dallas, and everything. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Ashley. And everybody, have a safe night.
1: Thanks, Chad. Thanks,
0: Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Bye.